Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. You could be seated this morning. Praise God. We want to take a moment and welcome everybody that's here uh, in service with us today. We appreciate you. We are glad God has brought you out. We also want to welcome everybody that's joining us online this morning. We're glad for you. Praise God. We want to release all of the teenagers today. So if you are in high school or junior high, junior high, that's 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and then of high school, of course, Alex is waving his hand. You could go back. Uh, they got a service for you in the back. Amen. Praise God. We also want to make mention that uh, out in the foyer, you're going to see uh, Brother Dermon uh, Blacknick out there. He's going to be beginning his Speakers World uh, group again in his class. And so if you uh, um, would like to come and be a part of that, join that, uh, learn how to share your testimony, uh, that would be a great thing. You can sign up for that today. It's a powerful class. We've heard some great testimonies through it. This morning, I want to um, do something a little bit different because I believe God wants to do some wonderful things in our lives. Can you say amen? amen. I believe God wants to uh, <clears throat> just stir the pot. <laughs> I love it when God stirs the pot. I remember Pastor Pennington used to say years ago, he says, God will get in your life and he'll move your furniture for you. You ever have anybody move furniture? And it's like, and then that night you get up to get a glass of water and you forget the furniture was moved? That's always a joy in it, and it's like, oh, they moved the furniture again, you know. Um, I knew, we knew this one lady one time that she, uh, every month, once a month, she moved the furniture around in her house. I mean, she'd move bedrooms and everything. So one month they'd be in this bedroom, next month they're in that one, and I don't understand it. She just loved to move furniture, and I'm not sure what that was all about, but I thought that was a little excessive. I'm, you know, like things a little bit more stable. But you know what? Sometimes God does get into our lives, doesn't he? Yes. And he'll upset the apple cart. He upsets the status quo, as it were. And so that's what this sermon really is all about because I really do believe that God is setting us up. You know, when I, a lot of times to really know where you're going, sometimes you've got to kind of look into your past. And as I look into the past of this church and see the things that we have come through, the things that we have survived, it is amazing to me the hand of God on our lives, the things that God has brought us through. And, and we didn't just come through it and just like, oh, thank God we survived that. It's we came through with victory. We came through with uh, flying colors. And, you know, going through it was a drag. How many know going through any storm is horrible? But then you get on the other side of that and you look back into it and you go, you know what, God, you were there every step of the way. You ministered to my life. And I could see the hand of God and I could trace the acts of God in my life. And so as I look back into the history of this church, I see the acts of God. I see that he's taking us somewhere. But if we're going to see the kind of blessing that I believe God truly wants to pour out, not just on us as a church in a corporate sense, but on us as individuals as well, then we are going to have to get out of the status quo. Church, we have to stop doing church as normal. 
In other words, what I mean by that is we have to get out of the luxury of just showing up, punching our spiritual time card, and going on with life. Amen? We need to contend. You know, Kathy talked about that in, the, in that song. She said, you know what? Don't wait for the intercessors and the prayer team and this and that. Go out. Do it. You can. You are empowered with the same spirit, the same word of God. You have that. You have that at, at your uh, access. You can, you can go into the very throne of God yourself. You don't need a, a, a human mediator. You have Christ Jesus in your life. You can talk to him and he will move for you. Can you say amen? And so we need to contend and we must break through, if I can use that, break through the familiar and the predictable and we need to step into our destiny. And it's only when we understand why we're doing what we're doing that we can truly begin to grow. When we truly understand that, how many know this morning that everything that God created, he created to grow and to increase? Everything. If you, if you go back and look at everything God created, God gave everything the, the ability to reproduce itself. He gave everything the ability to grow and to increase. Think about the parable of the talents just for a moment. Jesus talked about this. He, he, he told his disciples this story. He says there was a man that had servants, and he was a wealthy man, and he was going to go on a journey. So he, he called his servants in, and he gave to each man a talent, or he gave them something that was not their own. He gave them something that he had and only he had. He gave them this, this sum of money, and he gave it to them in, in uh, concordance with their ability. So he gave one, one man one, one man three, and another man five, each man according to his ability. So each man possessed something that was theirs, but each man received something that was not theirs. And that combination, the expectation was that they would take what was not theirs, add it to what is theirs, and go bring increase for the master. That's the story. And we know that when the master came back, Jesus tells the story, when the master came back to, to hold them accountable for what they were doing, that the one guy, the one that received one talent, he buried his talent. In other words, he preserved it. He put it on ice, so to speak. He protected it. He said, look, I don't want nothing happening to this because when he comes back, he's going to want what his, is his back, and I don't want to take the risk to lose it. So he buried it. And the Bible says that man received the harshest uh, rebuke of anybody. I mean, this was a tough rebuke. Why is that? Because God expects if not commands, us to reproduce, to go grow. He wants us to grow and increase. There was another story, the parable of the vine and the branches. Amen. Jesus telling the story to his disciples. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My job is to supply life. Your job is to bear fruit. Amen. And, I, you know, and I'm not going to get into a theological debate about what it means when he said all the branches that did not bear fruit he put in the fire. There's a lot of thoughts about that. And there's all kinds of things, everything from the, uh, you know, both extremes that get really kind of difficult to, to navigate. But the point is that Jesus has an expectation that our lives are producing. Can you say amen? 
<coughs> that's not just for the special people. I've been in church long enough to know that after a while, we kind of get this mindset. It's like, well, that's what pastor does. That, 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 that's what the evangelist does. That, 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 that's, that's reserved, those kinds of things. You know, we're, I'm just, I'm, all I am is just a church member. No, you're a member of the body of Christ. Can you say amen? You are here on purpose for a purpose. You are deliberate. You are intentional. God created you with a purpose in mind. He created you on purpose for a purpose. Well, I'm not called to be a pastor. You're right. You might not be. But pastor is not the only calling in the church. Can you say amen? There is a job for every person. There is a place to fit and to function within the body of Christ. There is nothing, there is nothing in my body that is useless. Oh, I know that they'll say, well, what about the appendix? Hey, God put it there, and I'm certain it's there for a reason. We may all find out when we get to heaven, you know what, that's where I put stuff, and you cut it out. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I make the assumption if it's there that God had a purpose. You are here, and I make the assumption you have a purpose. Can you say amen? The problem is, is oftentimes the reason that we don't find our purpose, the reason that we don't walk in that is because we have this very strange way of estimating value. We estimate value based on activity or based on position. In other words, people will look at me and they'll say, you have a lot of value because of the fact that you're the pastor of the church, you're always up front. But I declare to you that my value is no greater nor any less than anyone else. Because if we were to do an actual appraisal of your life and my life, what we would find out is that we all have the same appraisal, the same value, because value is determined on what somebody is willing to give for it, and everyone has been valued at the blood of Jesus because that's what God was willing to pay for your life. My life and your life are the same. I just hold a position. This is the place God put me as it pleases him. I am a firm believer in the fact of the scripture that says that God places in the body as it pleases him. Now, I understand that there is the wider, greater body of Christ that is the worldwide body of Christ, and I understand that there is a placement there, but I believe the illustration is also uh, uh, relevant to us as a church and a community that you are in this church, this body, because it pleases the Father. Can you say amen? That you're here on purpose. And so when we understand that, then what that means is we need to know where are we going? What are we doing? I remember I remember when we first started building this building back in 19, I think we broke ground in 1996. We broke ground on the building. And I remember when, when we had it designed and the blueprints came, you know, Pastor Howard, myself, and a guy uh, 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 that was on staff at the time, his name was John Myers and, and a few other people, we, we, we were going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, build this building. So it was all, we were going to take this on. We were the general contractor. Well, we get this blueprint, and it's hundreds of pages I mean, it was overwhelming. Every detail of this building, where every bolt 
went in the red steel, how the footers were to be uh, 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 formed and how they were to be built and dug and the depth and the height and all of the different things. Every switch, every plug, every window, everything had a place. And it was all described in detail. And at times, it was overwhelming. At times, it was even frustrating. And at times, it was even to the point we didn't agree with the plans. Uh, which was always amazing to me because here we are, just a couple of guys with high school diplomas, telling the engineers who have degrees in engineering that, that what you're doing don't make sense. I remember one time we were, we were working on the multi-purpose room and we were putting up the red steel, what you call the red steel. So you got these pillars. See these wide spots? You see each one of those? There, there's a great big beam inside those. And then there's an open span beam that goes across. Well, it's the same in the multi-purpose room. And so we had the beams up. They were standing up. And so we had our, our forklift that we were lifting the, the open span beam to go across. And somehow we got it turned around completely backwards. So being the men that we were, rather than going back to the blueprint and reading the directions, we figured that what we would do is make it fit. <laughs> well, what you have to understand is on these beams, they have flanges or the, the, there's plates that go together and that's where you bolt it. Well, they're on a certain angle. And so when we put it in there, it didn't fit. So what we did is get the come along. We'll make it fit. And we did. I mean, we're pushing and shoving, and what we had to do, because it was backwards, it was pushing the beams out. Well, I mean, we're not rocket scientists, but we could stand back when we got it up in the air and see the beams are like this and go, that probably ain't right. It didn't make sense. And we're arguing with the plan. It's like, we're doing it right. No, you're not. And then one of us, I don't know, one of us looked at it and went, wait a second, that beam's in backwards. We flipped it around, and lo and behold, it fit, and it was level. Imagine that. I see that in Christianity all the time. How many know that the Word of God is our blueprint? And we get arguing with it. And we go, that ain't going to work. That's not how life works. You don't do it that way. I've seen people, they've come up to me and go, I'm not forgiven. Well, go try that out for a little while. Go see how that works for you. It's putting the thing in backwards. What you're going to find is the beams of your life start getting ripped out of the footer. It starts costing. And you're going, why is everything not on the level in my life? Because we're trying to do it our way. Well, just, in build, just like that, in building a church, there's a blueprint. And we call it our vision. It's our vision. It's the vision that God has given us. And so what I want to do today is I want to take just a little bit of your time and I want to share the vision with you. I want to share what God's put into my heart. That's, do you understand that's the role of, of a pastor is to get the mind of God and share the vision. What is God saying for this church? Who are we to be? Now the Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision the people perish. The interesting thing about that verse is if you do a word study on that, it, there's a better way of, of, of interpreting it. It's where there is no word from the Lord, the people run unrestrained. 
In other words, when there is no guidance from God, when there is no spoken word of God, when there is no message from the Lord, people will go about doing their own thing. And what happens is when we do a, we're not good at doing our own thing. How many know that? We tend to mess things up. I don't know about you, but I, I, I mess things up. I remember uh, Kellyanne here, she called me up one day, called Kathy and I, and we came over to her house to put together this little junior bed. And it's like it's from Amazon or someplace like this. It's little tiny. I mean, it's only like about three foot long, a foot and a half wide. Certainly, I mean, it's got like six bolts. It's, you know, it's, it's all it's got. It's like anybody can put that together. And I, we don't need those directions. Get, get on. Four hours later, I'm still trying to put this thing together. It's, my gosh, you need a PhD in, you know, physics to get this thing together. Because we questioned. But that's what we're here for. We're here to be a part. We're here to know what God's doing. We're here to fit and function. And so we need a vision. Can you say amen? And so it's my hope today that you will understand what the vision is. And it's my hope that every person in this room will, will grab a hold of what I call spiritual equity in this house. In other words, that every person in this room will say, you know what, I, I, I own something. See, I have people all the time in church come up to me and they'll say this to me. They'll say, well, you know, your church. <clears throat> it's not my church. It's our church. It's his body, our church. I don't own this building, of course. I don't own this. I, I, I have a role that I play here. This is, this is a position. It's a calling that I f- fulfill. But so do you. You have an investment. You have ownership here as well. This is your church as well. Can you say amen? amen. So if we were going to look at our vision really in a nutshell, I kind of want to do two things. I want to give you the, the vision, if, if, if I can, if I could say it this way, uh, very simplistic, very just really simplified, okay? And then I'm going to expand on that. So our vision is that we would be a church where the presence of God is changing lives. That we would be a church where the presence of God is changing lives. That's what we're about. We want to be a place where God can come in, that he can manifest his presence, and we leave different from when we came. Whether that's salvation, deliverance, healing, direction, provision, whatever is the need that we receive what we need and that we can be different because of it. Our mission, so, so just to help you understand, a vision tells you where you're going. A mission tells you how you're going to get there. So our mission is that we are providing ministry where anyone can receive grace, find hope, and experience transformation. That's what we're about, grace, hope, and transformation. And our plan is that we are reaching the lost, restoring the broken, and releasing people into their destiny. And our commitment is to the one, to the individual, because the individual is important. All that we do, everything we do, from the pulpit to Sunday school or children's church or nursery or playing a keyboard or doing a sound booth or whatever we do, cleaning the church, everything is for the one who God draws to us that they can receive grace, 
find hope, and experience transformation. Now, the reality is we got a ways to go. The reality is there's some really good things we do. We're, we're, there's some excellent. We do some things excellent. And then there are some things that we need to change and get better in. Can you say amen? There's some things that we need to pay attention to a little bit closer. So what I want to do is I want to take the rest of the time that I have today and I want to expand on this and kind of give you some details so you know what I'm talking about. So number one, I see a church. When I look at us, I see a church where the manifest presence of God is actively sought for and honored in all that we do. In every service, in every event, in every ministry, in every activity, we are deliberately and purposefully setting a platform for the manifest presence of God to move in a way that is appropriate to that particular gathering. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I see is the place where we can visibly with evidence, see the moving of God. Do you know that's the difference? You, you understand that there is the general presence of God that is everywhere. The Bible tells us that he is all present. He, there is no place you can go to that he is not at. In fact, David writes in the book of Psalms, he says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. I mean, that's pretty impressive. God is everywhere. But the manifest presence of God is not always everywhere. In other words, the manifest presence of God is something that is a response to the hearts of the people that are walking in his presence. In other words, the manifest or the active presence of God is a place where the platform for that has been set. So that's why I say that we actively seek for the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, and then we honor it in its activity, in its moving. I see a church where the congregation is hungry for the manifest presence of God. Look at church, I'll just be honest with you about me. I have been in church all my life. Even prior to my salvation at seven years old, when I was three, four, five years old, all of that. I, I do not remember a time when my mother and father did not go to church. So from my earliest memories, as far back as I can remember, we went to church. So church is something I have done for 55 years and counting. Okay, and quite frankly, there are times in my life when I am tired of church I know that might be a little controversial, but I get tired sometimes of just the phone-in. I get tired of just showing up and marking another day, we did that, there you go, we're done. God is not that way. God, God is not in heaven wanting us just to mark time. God wants us to encounter him. God wants us to walk in him. God wants us to have an experience with him. But that has got to come through a place of hunger where we contend for it. It's not that we have a reluctant God in heaven, but we have a persistent enemy, hence the confrontation. 
It's not that God's up in heaven going, well, I'm waiting on you, man. You, better, you guys better, better get jumping around pretty good today. I'm not coming unless you show some enthusiasm. That's not what we have in heaven. What we have is we have this life that is broken. We have the community and the atmosphere of all that's going on in this world that works against us, and we have an enemy that doesn't want us to walk into the presence of God, that's buffering us, and so we have to be hungry, hungry enough to push through the obstacles and say, no, I am going to touch the hem of his garment today. I am going to have an encounter with God. I'm getting it done. So that's what I'm talking about, that we are a church that's hungry for the manifest working of the presence of God. Secondly, I see a church where we are willfully and purposefully, I'm having a hard time saying that word, exalting God in praise, adoration, and worship. In that all we do, we give glory to God, never forgetting who he is to us and what he has done for us. I see a church where the congregation is, listen, actively and vocally praising God and worshiping God. Why? Because he is worthy of it. He is worthy of our praise and our worship. He's worthy. And the problem, once again, there is a hindrance. The hindrance is, see, we don't have a problem with excited praise and worship. We don't have a problem with manifested excitement because if you get a raise or you get a, a bonus on your job or if you come home and, 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 and you know, some lost relative you haven't seen in years, there'll be a display of excitement. There'll be an expression, an emotional release of the excitement of that moment. And we have no problem with that. But we come into a church, we come into a quote-unquote religious context, and it's like, nope, let's just hold still. We're just, we're just holding still. Just do, we're not doing that. And somewhere along the line, church, he's worthy of our interacting, being excited. For heaven's sakes, for some of us, he found us in the gutter and he pulled us out. If Without him, some of us wouldn't even be here today. We would be dead. And where we would be in eternity, only God knows. And sometimes what we need to do is we, we need to do a little bit more than just watch the worship team. We need to lift our hands. We need to lift our voice. We need to say, you know what, God, I love you and I praise you and I glorify you and I magnify you. Because church, there is something about praise that changes the atmosphere of our lives that will bring about supernatural moving in and through our lives. Number three, I see a church that absolutely, this is an absolute. Some of these might be negotiable, but this one is not. That absolutely holds to the word of God as the final authority in every decision we make. The word of God determines how we speak, how we think, and how we live. We are going to be a church that holds to the word. Not an opinion of the word, the word. We are going to be a church that stands 
upon the Word of God. The Word of God is the rock upon which we stand. The Word of God is Christ himself. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You fall down a little bit further in that same chapter, and it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? The Word of God is our focus. The Word of God is the platform upon which we build everything. It's the Word of God. If the Word says no, we say no. If the Word says yes, we say yes. Can you say amen to that? Number four, I see a church that is actively reaching into the community by serving, loving, and ministering through planned outreach and evangelism. I see a church that's reaching the lost, the broken, the wounded, the addicted, and the struggling so they can receive grace and find or receive grace for their lives. Listen to me. Let me just say this. This is an area that I consider that we're weak in. This is an area that we don't do real well in. And I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why that is uh, as far as did we drop the ball or we just, uh, what is it? I don't know. It doesn't really matter why. It matters that we fix it. Every person in this room, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, there is a mandate on your life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that don't know it that haven't received it. And there are lots of ways. You don't have to be a street preacher. You don't have to be wild and crazy standing on bar stools in a bar somewhere yelling, you know, crazy things to people. Sometimes it can be as simple as a smile at a checker or a cashier. Sometimes it can be as simple as as just going to your neighbor and saying, hey man, can I help you with something in your life? You know, sometimes it's through prayer. Sometimes it's living a quality, good example. But it's always being aware that your life is speaking to someone else's, whether for good or for bad. And you know what? We have lots of avenues. There's Jacob's Ladder. We have avenues in Jacob's Ladder where you could come and you could be a support and you could come around people that are struggling and say, you know what? I'm not here to judge. I'm not even here to instruct. I'm just here to support you. I just want to tell you, you're doing good. We love you and we care about you. There's prayer meetings you can be at. We have, we, there, there is an organization in town called Church on the Street. And they, they're downtown. I don't know if you've seen them. They're in the old root building. And what they are is they, they're an they're, they're a, a organization that's open to the community for people to come in and to, and, and to get ministered to, whether it just be a simple prayer, maybe it's a bite of food, maybe it's a, a, a little bit of gasoline, whatever it might be. But it's an opportunity to share the gospel. And we have been invited to be a part of that. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I would like to do something. I'd like to volunteer. This is a great place to volunteer. It's a place that you can go and say, hey, you know, I can give a couple hours a a week and I could go sit in there and I can witness to people. I could tell them, hey, you know what? God loves you and Jesus will help you and minister to you. It's an opportunity. That's how we do that. That's the vision of this church. We will love, we will honor, we will build up, we will encourage and respect everyone that comes to our service. We will teach them how to connect with Jesus through the work of salvation. We will not abandon them to their own opinions, thoughts, and mindsets, but we will guide them through the word of God gracefully and respectfully showing them the truth. Can you say amen? I see a church that's presenting a bright, hope-filled future 
Even when things are tough, we will look to Jesus, the hope of glory, and the author and finisher of our faith. Church, it's too easy to get negative. It's too easy to go, oh, that's it, doom and gloom. It, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It may be, but we are not. And I don't know what all the future holds. I don't know if anybody knows all that the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and he's a good God and a good father. Can you say amen? And so it's going to be good. It's going to be bright, and it's hope-filled. I don't know everything I need to know about that, but I know the one that does, and I know he's got good things for me. And even if it looks, starts looking bad, I will trust him. I see a church that actively pursues an atmosphere of the supernatural. We will endeavor to set a platform for the Holy Spirit to move in healing, delivering, restoring, providing, and transforming those that come to our service. Look, church, I, I'm, I, like I said, once again, without me just reading the resume again, been around a long time. And what I'm noticing about these days is that the level of <clears throat> brokenness and the level of hurt the level of sin, the level of addiction, the level of dysfunction is now beyond, you know, self-help books. It's beyond good programs. We need, you know, I, I oftentimes think about the story of the demoniac. And the reason that I love that, sto that story so much is because it is such a vivid picture of an encounter with Jesus. It's such a, visu vi a vision of what the church should be. Here's this man that obviously has issues. The world, if you go back and read the story, I challenge you, go read the story of the demoniac in the Bible. And you go back and you'll find out what, what his community resolved themselves to do was to chain him to a tree. The problem is, is his issues were so significant, he would break the chains. So the world, the only thing the world can offer people is more bondage. But oftentimes, even the things that exist in us are so dysfunctional and so bad that it breaks the bondages that the world has to offer. And they end up, those people always end up in a place of death. Because the demoniac, he's running in the graveyard, isn't he? Howling at the moon, cutting himself naked. What does that mean? He's vulnerable. He's exposed. It's, it's horrible. It's a bad thing. But in one moment of time, he has an encounter with the living God, with Jesus Christ, a supernatural moment. <clears throat> and if you say, well, we're not supposed to, go read the Great Commission. <clears throat> we're supposed to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, not maybe. We're supposed to cast out demons, yeah. right? And, 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 and the whole thing about snakes and drinking any deadly thing, it's not running around grabbing snakes and drinking any deadly thing. It means when something comes against you to take you out of the commission, God will protect you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so somewhere along the line, church, we need to contend for the supernatural. We have got to be, we have got to be, we have got to stop being afraid of the supernatural. We, what's happened is the church by and large has become more convinced of the devil's ability to distort than God's ability to keep. I know we don't always get it right. Sometimes we do goofy things and God goes, that was kind of goofy. Don't do that again. 
What were you thinking? I've had God say that to me in the prayer meeting. Like, what in the world were you thinking? I wasn't thinking. He goes, it was evident. But he corrects me. That's why if our feet are firmly planted on the word, the word will rise up and it will hold us and it will keep us. But we need to contend for that supernatural moment. We need to contend for Holy Spirit to move. Why? Because there are people that desperately, desperately need what the Holy Spirit has to give. Number seven, I see a church whose leadership is actively discipling men and women into the kingdom of God. We will train both lay leaders and full-time ministry leaders. We will raise up the next generation. Church, if we are in the last of the last days and, and Jesus comes back tonight, we still ought to be about the Father's business. We should still be discipling up to the very last moment. You say, why? Because that is the mandate of the gospel. He didn't say go into all the world and build churches. He didn't say it. He didn't say go into all the world and make sure as many people that you can put on a roll become a member of a church. He didn't say go into all the world and, and, and uh, make a bunch of Christians. What he said is go into all the world and disciple nations. He said disciple them. Train them. Teach them to follow me. Thank you, Andy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need discipleship, and we need the next generation to rise. I've been around long enough in Christianity to have gone through several apocalypses. In the early 70s, there was, that was it. The Antichrist is on the planet. He's coming, and the whole thing with UPC codes... Watch out for UPC codes. Then when the technology caught up to that and there was check scanners, oh, those scanners. And then when they started scanning, scanning food in the grocery store, don't you go to, I ain't going to that. No, I'm going to the farmer's market, bless God. I ain't, go, I ain't going to computerized stuff. I mock it and I know I'm making fun of it. But look at church. The reality is, is my life is in his hands. And the closer I get to him, the more he keeps me from all of that. And if the, if the mark of the beast and the Antichrist comes up right now, God's got my back. Because remember this. Let me, I, I'm, I'm kind of off my notes here a little bit. I'm, this is free. The mark of the beast is a real thing. Okay? But remember, it's about a heart issue. It's about loyalty. You take the mark swearing loyalty to the Antichrist. When you're loyal to Jesus, you will never take whatever it is. So is the answer to figure out what the mark is? No. The answer is to get close as Jesus as you can. Because then whatever it is, it won't matter. I ain't going for it. And there's been all kinds of conspiracy theories. I, you know, and I, I even kind of loathe to say this, but, you know, the vaccine, oh, it's got a chip in it. Let them track me. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man, he sure goes down to that New Life Church a lot. I think he lives there. So do I. What's he doing there? He spends 8, 9, 10, 14 hours a day there. It's not an eventful life. They're going to get bored really quick if they track me. <laughs> They're going to get bored. 
Now, if you got something to hide, you might not want to be tracked, but that's a whole nother sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Moving quickly along to the next step. I see a church that's actively building teams for ministry in the church. For example, we need a greeter team. We need an usher team. We need an information center team. We need a welcome center team. We need a van ministry team. We need a cafe team. We need a follow-up team, a prayer ministry team, a sound and video production team, a maintenance team, a children's church team, a nursery team, a preschool team, uh, and others and others, and I could go on. You say, why is that? Because everything gets better in teams. And this is another area where we struggle. I don't know why it is. Uh, sometimes I, I wonder what is it about this church, but sometimes that seems to be resisted. And then I've had people come to me and they, they haven't liked what's going on. They go to another church and then they get on a team and they're happy. And it's like, but we would have started that here. But, well, we need to do better at that. And quite honestly, we need you. It, it, we, we could build leaders I'm convinced we can build leaders. The problem with a leader that's leading but nobody's following, do you know what he's doing? Going for a walk. We need people. And so what happens is we need people that, that say, hey, I can be a part. Why? Why are teams? Why is this so important to our ministry or to our vision? Because teams connect people with people. When you're on a team, it becomes kind of your small group. Team builds leadership because every team has a leader and people rise to the challenge. Teams promote synergism. That's a $50 word for cooperation. See, the load or the work of the ministry is spread over many rather than a few. We have some very, very faithful, faithful children's workers and nursery workers, but not many of them. And, the, and, and, it, and it gets tough. And you say, why? Because, see, children's church and nursery, that's not a secondary ministry. Children's church and nursery is a primary ministry. And you say, why is that? Because what we're trying to reach is families. And so mom and dad that come in that have worked all week and they've dealt with the children and all of that, they need maybe just a little bit of respite where they can go into a service and they can be ministered to without having to tackle the children. And then children's church becomes an opportunity and nursery becomes an opportunity for me to allow the Spirit of God to move through me to those children. In many ways, I am who I am today because of a Sunday school teacher by the name of Mrs. Schultz. Mrs. Schultz was famous for her flannel graph. She had a flannel graph board, and she taught me the resurrection story by putting up her stuff. She taught me the story of, of Noah's Ark, and she taught me all the stories in the Bible by putting the characters up. And those are stories that even to this day I still stand on because a woman who was at that time in her 70s was faithful to love children. We need that in this church. We need it. It promotes more efficient communication. Teams promote service, collaboration, and cooperation. It defines boundaries and responsibility. And it is the example of both Old and New Testaments. And we need to operate in that church.
We need it. We need to be a church that is spiritually growing and maturing. The members of this church, we need to grow and mature. We need to seek God. We need to be. Look at we. We cannot. Let me t- let me say this too. When I pray from the pulpit and when I read the Bible from the pulpit, that's not the same as you reading the Bible and you praying. One hour or an hour and twenty minutes a week is not enough to sustain your spiritual life. You need to invest in your spiritual life. You need to invest in your study of the word. You need to invest your life into what God's doing in you. We need to be growing. Number 12, I see a church that's excited to come to church. That's it's fulfilling. It's fun to participate. I remember in the early days when I was first part of this church, this was everything. This was my social hub. Everything I did surrounded the church. Everything. It wasn't just a part of my life. It was my life. I, I would work at Kmart all the way till 9 o'clock and then get off work and I would go, well, admittedly, I had a girlfriend that was there, but I had, there was other ulterior motives, but, but I would race as fast as I could downtown. And they were still in church. Back in those days, church didn't get over till 9.30, quarter to 10. I see a church that's not only growing spiritually and, mature, and maturing, but I see a church that's growing dynamically. You say, what does that mean? That means we must strive to bring change, which is a nasty word, and progress as necessary. The message never changes. I'll say it again, the message never changes. But the method must stay relevant to the culture and society around it. This means we'll use technology. This means sometimes the way we do services are going to be different. The way we lead and endeavor to do things will be different. You say, how how do you know this? Last year was case in point. We were forced, forced into a place that we were not comfortable with. Because of dynamics that were beyond our control, much of our church services was online. But you know what? We came through it, and we grew because of it. We came through this church, came through with flying colors. God, you, you are an awesome church. You were faithful online, and you're faithful here. And people that are online now, you are faithful as well, still online. And what it did is it moved us into a place where we had to do things a little bit differently. And you know what? It didn't hurt us. In fact, it gave us the ability to reach a wider audience. And somewhere along the line, what we cannot do is get stuck in that this is the way we've always done it. We have to be progressive in our presentation, not our message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And finally, as I bring this to a close, I see a church that's reaching the world through missions, through planting churches, and evangelism. And I see a church where the core values of family, service, honor, love, excellence, and partnership are demonstrated through everything we do. The worship team can come if they want. I, I preach this message today because I felt like it's important that at various times, that we talk about these aspects to remind ourselves. What I'm going to do, I told the 8.30 service, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I will take my notes and put them in a printed form to where 
that you can pick up a copy of these. Hopefully by Wednesday or next week, Sunday, you could pick up. A, and what I ask you to do is that you would do two things. Number one, that you would pray about these things, that God would help us, give us the wisdom to do what we need to do to make the changes or whatever's necessary to bring these things about, that we would continue to excel at those things that we're excelling at, but then we would get better at the things that we struggle with, that we would get better with it. And number two, I pray that you would, that you would pray, where do you fit in that vision? Where, what's your contribution? And remember what I said, your value is not in question here. Your value is enormous. This is not about value. This is about where you fit and where you function. And so this is not about whether you're, you know, this person or that person or this title or that title. It's about what do you contribute? What is it, what is it that you're doing to, to connect with the body of Christ? And you know what, if you're here and you say, man, you know, and the, the reason I bring this up is, is because the gentleman, uh, Joe Burns, that runs church on the street, he's here in the service today. And so if you're here and you say, man, that, that interested me, let me know or, or whatever, and I'll get you connected with him. Because I think it's a real ministry. I think it's an opportunity for us to not have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, but for us to partner with something that's legitimate that reaches our community. And so if you want that, let me know and I'll get you in contact because this is a way that we could do something, that we could even connect with the wider body of Christ, that we could partner together with them. And so I just want to encourage you today. I, I, this, this, this message is in no way an indictment about anything. Like I said, I think there's some, some things in this that we excel at. I think we do a really good job. And then there's some things that not so much. We need to do better. And I feel God in this. I, I don't feel an angry uh, manager in heaven going, you better get it right. What I feel is a loving father that says, there's so much more if you will get it right. That if you'll pay attention to this and you'll, you'll strive to do better here, you're going to see that this is going to really do some things. You know, this has been developing in my life for, gosh, some of this stuff goes back into me 20-some years. And I never always understood back in the day what that was always for because, to be honest with you, in the early days, even up until um, um, shortly before Pastor Howard passed away, I didn't really always see myself in this role. I always saw myself in the role that I was in. I'm, I'm a really good number two guy. I'm a really good associate pastor. I, 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 was, I was Howard's right-hand man and excelled at it. I was really good at it. Even so much that a lot of you didn't even know who I was. I excelled so much. Because the number two guy has got to be behind the scenes. Number two guy pushes up the number one guy. So everybody sees him. Some, in some ways, that's what we do with Jesus. In all ways, that's what we do with Jesus. We let less of, him, less of us and more of him in our lives. Amen. And so I never really saw myself in, that, in this role. But here I am. And it is the will of God for my life. As much as at times I wrestle with that, it's the will of God. And I, I, for years, these downloads would come to me, and it's like, why? Why? What's the point? I'm not, I don't, I'm not in charge. And God never answered. He never went, well, you know, one day. How many ever noticed that about God is he doesn't always answer your question. You ask a question, and then he asks you another one. It's, I'm going to wrestle with him on that one, but 
I'll lose. But somewhere along the line, God's been downloading this in me. And I do believe God's got something special for us. I believe God wants to fill every chair. I believe God wants us to have hundreds online. I believe God wants to just use us in powerful ways. Not so that we can walk around and go, oh, look how big we are. That's not the point. It's the changed lives. It's, it's that we're reaching into a community that we're changing. See, reaching into a community is God's heart. Helping people is God's heart. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads? Father, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, God, for this vision. We thank you for the revelation, God, that you've given us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to find our place in it. Father, that you would encourage us and strengthen us. And Father, we just give you the glory and the honor. And I pray right now, your anointing upon each person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you do me one last favor before we get ready to go? Would you stand to your feet? And we're just going to enter into just a, a, just a short time of worship just to kind of bring this to a close. Just, just let Jesus touch you today. Praise God. Not enough 
Thank you for this morning, God, the message, the vision that was spoke. Lord, we just pray, God, that you just take that we just take that to heart. Lord, that we find our place. Lord, that we serve you, Jesus. Lord, I pray blessing over all of us here. Lord, that we would just have a great day, a great week. Lord, that you would just be with us, God, that you would strengthen us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, why don't you thank God? Just give him praise. Jesus, we love you. All right, guys. You guys have a great week. We thank you. Our ministry team's coming up to minister if you need prayer. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.